0: All right, so let's go ahead and grab a seat and we will get started. As I mentioned a moment ago, my name's Matt. I'm one of the leaders here. I'm great to be with you this morning and happy Easter to you. Very excited to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus this morning If you have a Bible, uh, go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to John 20, uh, which is about uh, three-quarters of the way through your Bibles, and we'll pick up there in a moment. Uh, And if you don't have a Bible or you don't own a Bible, there are uh, stacks over here. You're welcome to grab one for yourself or someone you know and take that home. Uh, If you've been around for the last three weeks, you know that we've been unpacking historical evidence uh, for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus as real events in history. And this morning, we uh, kind of reach the climax of that study as we celebrate the reality of Jesus being back from the dead. Uh, After being put to death, uh, publicly executed by the Romans, Jesus' body is laid in the tomb of a man named Joseph of Arimathea. A stone is rolled in front of the entrance, and it's sealed, and then guards are posted in front of the stone. Uh, But then we read this account. This is John uh, chapter 20, starting in verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not recognize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned around toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Jesus said, On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Let's pray. Jesus, as we uh, contemplate the beauty, the mystery, the reality of the empty tomb, um, so shocking to the first disciples, I think equally shocking to us, uh, I pray that we... Uh, would be led into this place of of believing not just on a surface level sort of intellectual ascent but lord would you bring us into uh, a holistic uh, belief heart mind and soul uh, as to what happened that first easter morning uh, we know that in that lord we have life in that we we are transformed we are, we are set free um, we we uh have this experience of coming before the risen Jesus and having you uh, breathe on us and empower us in the Holy Spirit uh, and send us out for your glory in the world. So would you uh, come, Lord, meet us just as we are this morning, uh, and open our eyes to who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Of all the medical and historical evidence that we have explored over the last few weeks, there is one piece of evidence that we haven't had time to unpack. And that is the evidence of a changed disciple. After watching their teacher, their leader, their friend executed in public in a brutal and humiliating way, the disciples go to mourn in private. They are despondent, upset, grieving, fearful, distraught. But then the impossible happens. The stone is rolled away, the tomb is found empty, and people begin claiming that they have seen Jesus back from the dead. But one of the things I was struck by this week is just how skeptical the original disciples were. Keep in mind uh, that many of them were with Jesus full-time, 24-7, for years. Uh, They saw him feed the 5,000 with a few loaves of bread. Uh, They saw him heal blind men and lepers. They saw him bring people back from the dead. And he told them repeatedly that he was going to be put to death by the religious leaders, but that on the third day, the Father would raise him back to life again. And yet, when the third day comes, no one is there. The male disciples sit at home, despondent. Some of the female disciples head to the tomb but only to anoint the dead body of Jesus, which they fully expect to be there. And in fact, they're only going on the third day by accident because uh, the second day was the Sabbath day. And, and they weren't allowed to go. They would have gone the day before. So they arrive by accident, but all of them, male and female, are very slow to believe what has happened. The female disciples encounter angelic beings who tell them that Jesus has risen from the dead. And they are in awe, but still a little unsure. Mary hangs around the tomb afterward, convinced that someone has stolen the dead body. Uh, Apparently, the angelic beings were inspiring, but not quite convincing enough. Then Mary encounters Jesus, but she is slow to recognize him. Uh, Finally, she does, and, and she runs to tell the disciples, but the disciples don't believe her, even though she's seen him. And then two more disciples encounter Jesus on the road to Emmaus. They, too, are slow to believe. They, too, are slow to recognize him. But they eventually go and tell the other 11 But again, they still aren't so sure. Then Jesus himself comes to them through a locked door in a resurrected body. And and, and they can't believe their eyes. Initially, they think he's not real. Surely this cannot be happening. And and, and they don't believe until they sit with him and talk with him and eat with him and touch his hands and his feet. But one of the disciples is missing. Thomas is late to the party. He misses Jesus and, and very famously says, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. I mean, talk about skepticism. Uh, Jesus did countless miracles. He stilled storms. He, He brought the dead back to life. He multiplied food. He cast out demons. He healed thousands of sick people of all kinds of diseases. He moved in the power of God, and the disciples eventually, slowly, over time, came to this place where they recognized that Jesus was the Son of God. Uh, This man is no prophet. This is something else. This is something the world has never seen before. Okay, so just imagine that scene. I'm I'm walking alongside the Son of God, who eventually I know to be the Son of God. I spend years with him. And he says repeatedly over those years that he will be put to death by the religious elite and raised to life on the third day. The disciples know about his claims. The religious elite know about his claims. The crowds know about his claim. Everyone knows that he's claiming to rise again on the third day. And the third day comes and no one is there. I mean, this is unbelievable. If someone went around today healing people and doing miracles and th- that were widely seen, widely recorded, and they said, I- I'm going to die sometime in the next few years, but God's going to raise me back to life on the third day. I promise you there would be people there on the third day. I guarantee it. Their closest friends, other followers, the crowds, the skeptics, TV cameras, uh, their, their gravesite would be, would be a crowded scene on the third day. And we say, oh, people back then were so gullible. They were so naive. Uh, we're so much more educated now. Now we know how the world works. And, and that's why we're so skeptical and so cynical today. Really? Really? Because no one showed up on the third day. And the women were slow to believe the angelic beings. And and then Peter runs to the tomb. And and it says in one of the Gospels that, quote, He went away wondering to himself what had happened. Seriously? Seriously? wondering to himself what it, like really, you don't have an educated guess in that moment as to why the tomb might be empty. He walks away just kind of scratching his head like, huh, that's weird. The dead body should be there. And then you've got Thomas, who hears the testimony of Mary, and then the other women... And then the two disciples from the road to Emmaus, and then the ten disciples who were eating without him, and he flatly says, I don't believe you. I will not believe unless I touch his resurrected body. That is the only proof that I will accept to believe that Jesus is back from the dead. I mean, can you imagine someone more skeptical than that? You won't believe Jesus before he dies, and he tells you. You won't believe angelic beings. You won't believe your friends. It's this almost unassailable skepticism. And yet Jesus comes to him in his grace, in his mercy, and allows Thomas to do this very thing. Come. Touch. See, I have a new resurrected body. It's actually me. I'm back from the dead. And in this moment, the disciples are radically changed. They go from cowering, mourning, fearful, to boldly proclaiming, first in Jerusalem and then to the ends of the earth, that Jesus is back from the dead. And of all of the evidence that we have for the resurrection, some of the best evidence is the changed disciples. No one inside or outside of the church can come up for an alternative theory as to what happened here. What caused the disciples uh, to go from fearful mourning, distraught, to full of joy, full of courage, full of boldness, proclaiming that Jesus was back from the dead. What caused Saul of Tarsus, a well-documented historical figure, to go from murdering Christians uh, with cultural favor and power uh, to then joining the Christians and, and living a life of humiliation and suffering and death? What caused James, the earthly brother of Jesus, to go from a lifelong doubter to a passionate follower of Jesus after his resurrection or after his crucifixion? He doubted all his life. He's, he's crucified in public. And, and then something happened after that, that that makes these men come alive. They claimed they had encountered the resurrected, risen Jesus. And no skeptic or atheist has been able to come up with a better explanation. These men and women uh, touched resurrected hands. They looked into resurrected eyes. And it changed them forever. From this moment forward... Uh, They forsook jobs, homes, security, cultural favor in order to live lives of humiliation, persecution, and ultimately execution. J.P. Moreland says it this way, He says, when Jesus was crucified, his followers were discouraged and depressed. So they dispersed. The Jesus movement was all but stopped in its tracks. Then, after a short period of time, we see them abandoning their occupations, regathering, and committing themselves to spreading a very specific message that Jesus Christ was the Messiah of God who died on the cross, returned to life, and was seen alive by them. Next slide. And they were willing to spend the rest of their lives proclaiming this without any payoff from a human point of view. They face a life of hardship. They often went without food. Slept exposed to the elements. Were ridiculed, beaten, imprisoned. And finally, most of them were executed in torturous ways. For what? For good intentions? No. Because they were convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that they had seen Jesus Christ alive from the dead. Lee Strobel, in his book outlining historical evidence for the resurrection of Jesus, makes the point that the disciples were in a unique position in human history because they could know for certain whether or not their claims were true. We see today, all over the world in different traditions, people who are willing to die for what they believe in by faith. But notice that for the disciples... This is not a matter of faith. They didn't have to have faith in the resurrection. They just knew. They saw it. They they touched it. They were witnesses to it. If the resurrection had been falsified, then all of these original men and women... Would have known deep down in their hearts that it wasn't actually true. This is the unique place they held in history. And yet, every single one of them faces years of hardship, disgrace, persecution, humiliation, beatings, rejection, torture, and ultimately execution. All separately, by the way, all in different parts of the world. Had they together falsified this account, then over time, uh, some of them would have recanted. They would have backed down. Uh, They they had nothing to gain from a human point of view. But it was too late. Uh, They had seen Jesus back from the dead. Uh, They had touched him. Uh, They ate with him. They, They talked with him. They saw his resurrected body, and they knew that if they followed him with their lives, that one day they too would experience a resurrection like his. They could stare at his body and say, one day I will have a body like that body. Paul is beheaded in Rome under Emperor Nero, Peter is crucified upside down. It's believed that Andrew was also crucified, that Thomas was run through with spears. Philip was tortured and executed. Matthew was stabbed to death. Bartholomew, James, Simon, Matthias, all of them martyred, stoned, clubbed to death burned alive all over the world. Not one of them was willing to recant or back down. They had seen the risen Jesus. They they had touched resurrected hands. And they died with absolute confidence that they too would one day receive a resurrection body. They were the first to believe in the resurrection of Jesus. But they were not the last. In fact, in the moment that Thomas is touching his hands inside, Jesus says to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me in bodily form and yet have believed. And this is it. This is the the essence of Christianity. This is the beating heart of our faith, the central reality in all of human history. Romans says it this way. It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is the irreducible center of our faith. If you declare with your mouth, if you believe in your heart, then you will be saved. You will have eternal life with him. John starts his gospel with these words. It says, Jesus came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. They, they rejected him. They crucified him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. This is the invitation this morning, the invitation which God has issued to, to every single man, woman, and child on the planet. That that by receiving the one that that so many have rejected, that by believing that he is who he says he is, by believing that the tomb is empty and Jesus is back from the dead, we receive forgiveness. We receive cleansing. We receive rebirth. We become new creations. We we receive new life, empowering in the Holy Spirit. uh, your, Your past life. Is put to death, and, and you can say with all honesty, with all authenticity, I, I am a child of the living God. With absolute assurance in eternal life. I haven't even seen my father yet, but he's waiting there for me. You and I, like the original disciples, are also changed by the reality of the risen Jesus. And we too can die with absolute confidence that we will be resurrected just like him. If if you've placed your faith in the resurrection... Uh, then what happened to Jesus on Easter will one day happen to you. Let's pray.